Hello guys, I know it's been a couple of weeks since I've published an episode. I actually tried to record one right before Thanksgiving about how to cope when holidays are hard. And I did record it and I felt okay about it, but I sort of decided I should re-record it and could do a better job. And of course I have procrastinated my classic ADHD behavior. Um, And right now, I hope this isn't too organized, but I'm feeling inspired today to do one of the many podcast ideas that's been sitting in my stack. And I had an interesting client conversation, which just made it come to life this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and do it while I have a break between clients and I hope it's okay. It will get your wheels turning, I hope. So I really have a series of questions that encourage people to do some soul searching about where they land on a spectrum of patterns, traits, behaviors, and really just reflection on yourself and your relationships. So here we go. I'm going to call this, are you tiptoeing around people or walking all over them? Another way to ask this is, do you walk on eggshells with people or do you walk all over them? Do you over cater to people or under cater to people? So I'd like you to think about the relationships you're in and also your own behavior. I know that none of us are ever going to be perfect or at that ideal happy medium. Rarely do you find someone that's just kind of right at that sweet spot which I usually put as a five. Um, So in this case, we will say that if you're with someone intimidating that you lack emotional safety with, I like to call these people the squeaky wheel. A lot of these people make it all about them. Um, You know, you're worried about their reactions. They may have unpredictable responses. They get hurt if feelings hurt easily, they make things about themselves, then you end up often catering to these people just to calm things down. And then some of the low maintenance people that don't express their feelings, don't ever make things about them. Sometimes we walk all over those people. And I don't think that's healthy um, for the person or for you, for anyone. So, you know, When you think about emotional safety, those are relationships where you feel understood and accepted and you don't feel like you're in danger in any way. Therefore, you don't have to tiptoe as if you're in a minefield. So one of the cases that brought this to light was, and I always change the details, this is a 14-year-old who is a really good tennis player and she loves both of her parents, but ironically, the parent she's closer to is the one she walks on eggshells around. And she's always worried if she's going to offend her mother. Her mother takes things very personally and she kind of has to manage her mother's moods. Her mom has a real trigger sensitive temper, gets angry very easily, overreacts, um, makes things about herself a lot. And so my client is reluctant to have her mother at her tennis matches because she feels like if she doesn't show her mom enough attention or come talk to her right after the match 
or whatever, her mother is going to have her feelings hurt. So sometimes she wants her father there so that, um, you know, she really just doesn't have to worry about him. But I wonder if she goes to the other extreme where she might completely ignore her father, not talk to him all weekend at a tournament because she's not walking on eggshells. And I was telling her this morning, it's almost like we develop this antenna or this radar around people who are high maintenance or have these unpredictable responses because we have to just keep our guard up like hypervigilance. I have had some people like this in my life and I try not to spend a lot of time with people like this because it's really very stressful and it puts your nervous system into a state of fight or flight, um, hypervigilance, your sympathetic nervous system gets activated and it's exhausting. It's draining. It increases your cortisol levels and, you know, all the stress hormone stuff, everything, you know, speeds up and in not a great way. It's not a positive speed up. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so um, this teenager was saying that her mother always has to be right. She won't say she's sorry. She described her as hot headed and temperamental. And she often feels like she has to be the bigger person. So, um, and sometimes she even feels like her mom has some really mean punishments that just aren't fair. And um, her mom's moods are contagious. So, you know, I really would like for you all to consider, again, how you behave, where you are on this spectrum, um, are people always, you know, using this radar to monitor your moods, your behavior? Are they unable to feel their own feelings about things because they're so worried about your feelings or your needs? Do they feel like everything is about them? I have so many clients over the years that will say, oh, this person in my life just makes it all about them. And of course, this relates to romantic relationships, parent-child relationships, friends, any relationship. And some of the common diagnoses that I feel are related to tiptoeing around people are a borderline personality disorder. One of the classic books on this was called Stop Walking on Eggshells. Um, and then narcissistic personality disorder is another common one. Anger problems are just kind of a general pattern of people that you're on edge around. But I'd really like for us to maybe try not to worry so much about catering to the squeaky wheels in our lives and try to maybe cater more to the people that, you know, are peacemakers and don't ask for what they need and don't advocate for themselves. I see a lot of people who feel that their needs don't matter. Their wants don't matter. They don't expect enough for themselves. They don't stand up for themselves. They're not assertive. So, um, and I can catch myself doing the very same thing. You know, if I'm at a big family or friend gathering and I'm around one of these high maintenance people, my radar goes up. It's like an orbiting antenna that's just kind of, how are they feeling? What do they need? What do I have to do to not rock the boat um, or do the wrong thing? And you kind of lose touch with yourself. 
when you're managing someone else's moods and someone else's needs or drama. So, and I really want to encourage all of us not to ignore the people who fall off your radar because they're so easy and so low maintenance. Sometimes this is children. Sometimes children feel invisible. They get forgotten. They're, you know, they don't like to be the center of attention or they're not dramatic and attention seeking. So um, anyway, I hope this is just food for thought. A lot of my upcoming topics are going to be questions like this. Are you an over-functioner or an under-functioner? I talk about this all the time. I was talking about it with one of my best friends last weekend, and she was just blown away, like, oh, I love that concept. Um, You know, do you work too hard or do you need to work harder? Where are you? Are you too emotional or are you under-emotional? And we're not all going to be the same. And again, we're not going to all be a five, but I think it's interesting to think about. So, okay. So I want to give you a few pointers about how to handle these situations where you feel like you are tiptoeing around people in your life or walking all over them. So what should we do? First of all, You could journal about what's happening in your body and how you're feeling. Take some notes, tune into yourself and figure out what's happening and also how you're treating your loved ones. It might take a really big person to say, hey, I feel like I'm walking all over certain people in my life and I want to work on that. So I'm going to do some soul searching to figure out how I'm being the squeaky wheel or I'm making people feel emotionally unsafe. And then some of you are more in a role of feeling walked on, disrespected, mistreated, ignored, invisible, and you need to speak up. Some people need to speak up. Some people need to pipe down. One thing I've told clients over the years is that For a more selfish or self-absorbed person, their needs come out about five times the volume that they should, Um, like a big, I think it's a megaphone. Um, And for someone that is more, feels unworthy or has low self-esteem or isn't assertive or is too much of a peacemaker, um, feel like their needs and wants don't matter, their needs come out like a whisper, maybe five times less than what they should come out the volume. So that's one way to look at it. But yeah, and I did a podcast a few months ago with Carol Stoney, Dr. Carol Stoney, and it was incredible on our body's response to relationships. So that would be a really good podcast to listen to after you hear this one. If you haven't already, just kind of how do the people in our life affect us and how does that um, impact us over time. That's a big deal. If we live in stress and an unhealthy environment, then that is going to really take a huge toll on our mental and physical health over time. So second, be assertive. Tell your loved one how you feel, whether it's, hey, you're high maintenance. I walk on eggshells around you. You're too low maintenance. I need you to speak up more you deserve more, Um, you need to make your presence known and, you know, influence others more. 
share your opinions. I know some amazing people who don't put themselves out there enough because they either underestimate their value or they underestimate their knowledge or their ability to influence people. And they might let a more toxic person be the primary influencer. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this happen and it's really heartbreaking. So you have a lot to bring to the table and you need to bring your superpowers out. And if you have someone that demeans or belittles you or your abilities and your gifts, and I call it your package deal, then that person is wrong and it's not right. And it's not best for the people in your life to not let you impact them. And I do know some people, including my own father, who is a peacemaker and he does not like to ask people to do anything for him. And I have confronted him several times and said, dad, we would love to do things for you. We love it when you ask us to take you to a doctor's appointment, to bring you milk, um, to help you out in any way. We want you to ask us. You've done so much for us and it's a privilege and an honor to be able to give something back to you. But yet half the time he won't even accept, you know, gifts or help. I've seen people offer him a meal when he was sick that he turned down and he just doesn't like to be an imposition. And I don't think that is an imposition, but it's really vulnerable for some people to allow others to help them. And so that's an area of growth. And surprisingly, for some, it takes courage to receive gifts and help. And for others who are more entitled and demanding and self-absorbed, they feel like they should get help constantly from everyone and they may not feel they need to give anything back. So I think for them, the courage would be to quit asking for so much and give more back, be a reciprocal person. Don't talk so much, listen more. And for the peacemaker, it's don't listen so much, ask for what you need, share your story. Um, so anyway, so another thing you can do, oh, and I forgot to say, when you are being assertive, one of my favorite techniques is called the sandwich technique, where you start with a positive and then you do the confrontation or share the negative feedback, and then you end with a positive. Dr. John Gottman calls that the softened startup, which is great. And that's what works. I mean, sometimes we get angry and we like to just, you know, throw out a little dagger or a dig or some kind of really harsh criticism. But not only is that not, you know, an effective way, it's not it can undermine our point if we look like we're being a jerk when we're trying to say, you know, you've hurt me or you've wronged me and you're being a jerk about it, then they feel hurt and wronged and they can't listen. That would sort of affect your body and your response where you probably shut down and the channels aren't open. So you can't even take in that feedback. So try to be assertive, not aggressive, not passive, but clear. And I want to do a whole podcast on assertiveness as well. So also try to educate yourself on emotional abuse and also emotional safety. You can Google that and learn a lot about it online. There are some really great books on those topics and articles. 
Um, you might want to read the criteria or the descriptions of borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. If you see a chronic pattern of someone being unhealthy, toxic, self-absorbed, rigid, attention-seeking, everything is about them, low empathy, um, twisting things, manipulating. Emotional blackmail is one of the types of emotional abuse. Gaslighting is as well. Unpredictable responses, abusive expectations, domination, verbal assaults, character assassination, et cetera, et cetera. There are 10 types of emotional abuse on this one handout that I always give people, but I just rattled off maybe six or seven. So if you think that borderline or narcissistic personality disorder fits, um, and there could be others, then I would get a book or find a podcast on those topics. I have read a really good book on narcissism called Disarming the Narcissist by Wendy Beharry. It's disarming, like to take away their arms, um, by Wendy, B-E-H-A-R-Y, and also a book called Stop Walking on Eggshells by Mason and Kreger, K-R-E-G-E-R, and the subtitle for that Walking on Eggshells book is Taking Your Life Back When Someone You Love Has Borderline Personality Disorder. Another favorite, which really addresses this topic is human, the human magnet syndrome by Ross Rosenberg. There are several versions of this and I've heard him speak in a seminar and I love his philosophy on, you know, what happens when, um, you know, well, the first subtitle was, um, taking your, no, wait, sorry. The human magnet syndrome. One was called why we love people who hurt us. And the first one, though, that I read was called Understanding the Relationship Between Emotional Manipulators and Codependents. And then the third one was called The Codependent Narcissist Trap or something like that. So, um, okay, next thing, pursue counseling, either on your own or you can encourage your loved one to get counseling on their own or you can do joint counseling family counseling, couples counseling, just really you need to have some conversations about how you're feeling and how the relationship isn't healthy. You need to remember that you cannot control your loved one or make them change. You can open their eyes to the patterns and to how you're feeling. You really need to let them know that because it's not healthy and figure out you know, what format is best for counseling if you can't do it on your own. You could read some of these books together on your own. If you don't want to get counseling, you can also listen to podcasts together. But it is really important to remember that you really are not responsible for their actions and their choices, but you are responsible to communicate to them how you're feeling and to set boundaries about what is healthy and what you will and won't put up with. So, and sometimes you really have to tune someone out when they have, you know, anger problems or they're constantly complaining or making it about them. You may have to just, you know, try to tune it out and say, you know, 
I mean, I think you need to confront it, but if it just continues and you might just say they have an issue and I'm not going to own that, I'm going to try not to let that bring me down. But again, if that's toxic and unhealthy, I think you really need to consider, you know, maybe getting space, um, having a separation, going again to counseling. You might have to give them some boundaries or even an ultimatum. I can't live like this. This is really stressful for me. And if someone won't change after a confrontation, then you might consider having to end that relationship. So, but the hope is that with a healthy conversation that changes can be made. And if they aren't, then you really need to get out of the situation, at least temporarily. But I don't think it's fair to end a relationship or cut someone out of your life if they don't know the full story and they don't know what you need from them because they can't read your mind. So you have to be clear. All right. I hope this helps. Good luck. Send me some feedback if you have any stories or learn anything or see any changes in yourself or your your loved ones that are helpful um, or questions, you can email me at neverperfectbeth at gmail.com. <laughs>